The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Happy 4th of July to our uh, American listeners. Happy belated uh, Canada Day to our Canadian listeners. Ah, yes, Canada Day, although it hasn't been fun for them up north in Montreal land anyway. Uh, Not if you're a Habs fan, no. Um, And we've got that series and a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. Uh, Do we want to start with the series? Do we want to start with the couple of uh, not-so-happy stories that are more hockey people-related or... Uh, we should, I mean, we should probably start with the playoffs since they're ongoing. So, I mean, as far as the other smaller stories, yeah, let's start with the playoffs, which have been not as much fun as I was hoping they would be here in the final. You know, I don't think it's just the final. I think that there are only about two or three good series this year. I think the Carolinas first series was good. I want to say that I think I still liked the the uh, Vegas and Colorado series. But okay. beyond that, meh. You didn't like any of the Montreal series? I mean, all the, the and, and coming back from three games, one down. That was that was at least exciting. And it was it was solid hockey. It was entertaining. It, was it was like, it predictable? <laughs> Beating uh, beating Toronto, honestly, I think was predictable. Toronto just what you will never convince me that that team is set up. You're not going to convince me that team is set up to win in the playoffs. It's just not. And I don't see it happening. Um, I think that they're they and Edmonton are basically the same team. We've discussed it many times and they're still making the same in our minds, or at least in my mind, the same mistakes that they've been making, uh, and yes, teams. and yeah. yes, it's Edmonton as well. The the old adage that defense wins championships seems to fall on deaf ears in Toronto and Edmonton. Maybe it doesn't make it over the border like Customs just stops it or something. I don't know, because I think Montreal gets it. Yeah, I but think that their defense is I think their defense has helped them get to the point that they're at. Granted, their defense is definitely better than Toronto's or Edmonton's, and it's not even close. Exactly. Uh, I think Vancouver's is going to get there. It's yes. Uh, and I think that uh, the Jets defense is actually pretty solid, too. Right. The other so teams in Canada. Calgary? Yeah, no, Calgary's defense, I think, is getting a little older. Giordano and, and – although yeah. they've still got Hannafin, but yeah. yeah I, for now. For now. <laughs> but as far as getting into the final, the final just hasn't been – I mean, and, and it's not just the fact that Montreal's down three games to none. It's It hasn't it, looked like good competitive hockey. It hasn't looked like good competitive hockey, and it hasn't looked like – it looks like we're still having the same struggles with uh, certain members of the uh, skating community that wear striped jerseys. 
You mean the officiating being utterly terrible? I was trying to be nice and just say inconsistent, but sure. <laughs> That's I, what I'm talking about. I don't think that there's really a it, when you're when it comes to deciding games that even if you're only looking at the business side of it, where millions and millions of mo- of dollars will be decided uh, by the outcome. Um, I don't think that there's a really a difference between inconsistent and terrible, uh, or it's a difference that isn't um, in this series. Uh, we were talking about it just before the show. There's been at least two or three occasions where there were blatant too many men on the ice, uh, for, blatantly too many men on the ice for Tampa, and no call. One, one of them directly resulting in a goal too. Now, in the first game, I believe it was. But and when the when the NBC commentators are actually the ones pointing it out. It's not only blatantly obvious, but it, it, it it's pretty close to having been tattooed on their retina. Eddie Olchek just sitting there pointing it out to me just seemed I, very um, weird. Because Eddie Olchek has really done nothing but... Uh, all, all over Tampa? Yes. Absolutely. And, and neither one of us thinks that Tampa is a bad team or for the no, most the, part undeserving of being in the finals. No, the talent level on that team is ridiculous scary and as it's going to come up at some point where on this show we will eventually talk about how the possibility of keeping that roster together is slim and none. Uh, I, I wouldn't even think it's that good unless they have someone else they're willing to put on uh, injured reserve all season long next year. <laughs> Those rules are going to change, too, um, from what I've read. I don't uh, see it happening this year. I, I just don't. But, but, you know, they would need to put someone under like uh, under something like post-concussion syndrome and then have their neck aches uh, and vertigo magically disappear in like February in February. They start skating again in March and practicing surprise, with the, surprise. practicing with the team in April. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. First game of the playoffs. They are magically symptom free and at 100 percent. I read something and unfortunately I thought I grabbed it and it's not here so I will have to dig to try and find it again. But I read something where that's not going to be possible next year because they're going to have to. Uh, and I, w- I want to find it before I give it. But a quick paraphrase is that they're going to have to. The cap number comes into play every night that they that the team takes the ice. So the the number of players on the team can't be over whatever the daily cap limit is or something like that. So well, the daily cap limit during the regular season actually applies during the postseason. It does not. And it's going to during the postseason next year, according to what I read. But like I said, I, I want to find it. I will be shocked to see that happen because it's never applied. Like never, not in the entire salary cap era. Unless uh, it was just somebody who was saying that that's how they could fix it. I, I saw a couple people say that's how you could fix it. Um, I simply think that anyone who was physically unable to play during the regular season should not be playing in the playoffs. Yes, period. 
All this being said, though, I don't think it's the reason. I, I fully do not believe it's the reason Montreal is down three games to none. No, they were the lowest. I believe they were the lowest points total of any team to make it into the playoffs. They were the lowest seeded. Uh, yeah, they were the lowest seeded team to get in. Uh, in the softest division. Where was the? I the thought North the West. Was, I thought the West was squishy. The West, the West was squishy, but the bottom of the West was. I don't know. The West had be, or, the West had teams that you could actually predict would win the cup. Was there well, a single Vegas. team in the North that you could predict would win the cup? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, do I hope that Montreal wins Game Four and makes a series of it? Yes. Yeah. Because I don't. This... I don't want to see a sweep. Then again, I also don't want to see a sweep because it means no more hockey until development camp. Um. <laughs> this has been. This has not been a great series because even even when the scores, I don't. Even if you look at the shots or shot quality and yada yada yada, uh, look at the hard stats. This mm. doesn't pass the visual test, the eye test for the two best teams in hockey or the two or two really good teams in hockey. This is, this is more what you'd expect to see in like the third or fourth, uh, preseason game where one side has fielded, most of their NA, most of their NHL roster, most of what they expect to be on the ice opening night. Yeah. And the other team is barely, barely, barely achieving the veteran minute veteran minimum games number and has like three real NHL players and two guys from the AHL who have been uh, in the NHL off and on for 12 years and then a bunch of you know rookies and people who are going back to major junior. It, it it's nearly that bad. It's just not. Montreal seems to only score either on the power play, or when they get a rush and carry and uh, Vasilevsky is screened. They don't they don't maintain pressure in the in the offensive zone. They don't really control the neutral zone at all. Um, and Tampa is just. Tampa owns almost all of the ice. It's it, it, it just comes down to that. I will. Uh, I will say that it was good to see Jake Evans back on the ice in game one. Absolutely. However, he was put in in place of Joel Armia, who they brought back in for game two or game three. So I don't know that he was quite ready. I don't know if they did it more as a uh, rally the troops kind of move because uh, he didn't really have impact. But like I said, it was nice to see him back on the ice. He played in that first game. He played 12 minutes of ice time had three hits, one shot on goal, and a takeaway. I mean, that's about what – 12 minutes is about what he averaged during the regular season, maybe a little bit less. Yep. But he's 
it, it was just good to see him back after that hit. And he wasn't ready to talk about the hit. So you have two questions here based on, and just to wrap up the, the playoffs thing, you have two questions here on the, on the board. That I do. Um, actually we do have other, a couple other topics to talk about on, or areas to discuss on this, but I asked this question on Twitter the other night. Um, didn't get as much discussion as I was hoping for. So I <laughs> present them to you. Okay. Question number one, game four. Will the Tampa Bay Lightning take their foot off the snake? Off the snake? Off the gas? You mean, will they, will they take let foot it? off the gas? Will they lay they... back and allow Montreal back in? I don't think so. I think that they want to finish this as quick as possible. Yeah, I don't think they're going to. Um, and I don't know that it's has any I don't know that Cooper has any impact on this. I think this is the players themselves are going to be like, no, we just got to go. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the second or more cup for pretty much any of the, any of the players since many of them were there last year. Um, back to back, back to back. I mean, it makes for great story. It makes for great storytelling. I think that either of these cities winning is good for hockey. Um, as much as it pains my pains me to say it a little tiny bit as a Bruins fan, I think it might actually be better for Montreal to win, um, than Tampa simply because Canada hasn't seen a cup in a generation. As we talked about pre-show, I mean, some of the, most of the players on the team were either in diapers or not born or not yet in first grade. <laughs> yeah. Like legitimately uh, of the players bore uh, of the players who actually had been born. Most of them were still wetting the bed at night. <laughs> Uh, I I think that my final thought on this and the reason why I think I think that Tampa Bay and I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think the Tampa Bay wants to validate being a champion because last year, yes, they won the Stanley Cup, but that wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't. See, I still think that this season has to get an asterisk. I mean, this season as well. You only played 50. 56 games. That's that's it's it's just not the same. We the playoff it. format much closer to real life, uh, I, I guess, in a normal playoff standard. But even well, they had to get 16. I mean, they still had to get 16 wins, which they had to get last year. But last year they had four and a half months off. Yes. In between the pause and the start of the the summer festivities yeah yeah they have four and a half months off plenty of time for recuperation and the other thing that happened this year which is highly unusual in the nhl and i can't remember the last time it happened uh certainly not in the careers of anyone on the ice uh is they receded um i think if they had not receded that tampa bay is facing someone else right now and we have a very different series Hmm. Because if Tampa Bay had faced if 
if as it looked like going into the first round, the North and um, Central, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. um, met after after playing out of their division. Montreal-Tampa would have been the semifinal matchup. And whoever came out of the uh, the East and the West would have been facing them. And that means that there's a yeah. much higher chance it would have been Vegas or uh, or even uh, the Avalanche. But from a logistics standpoint, does it make sense to fly East and West? as opposed, I mean, Central and North is okay. It, Central is going to be logistically travel wise easier for any of the zones but to to create the i understand why they did what they did they picked the west and the north so that the east and the central could they were trying to minimize travel i understand why they were doing it i understand why they were doing it but they've never receded before and yes you have to play whoever is in front of you and on the ice with you but realistically the odds that it would still be much Montreal, Tampa, had they not receded, pretty low. And me personally, mm-hmm. I think that as a showcase of the league, this has been a really bad Stanley Cup final. Um, because it, it this this looks like a, a first round NBA playoff game where the number one <laughs> team is running all over the number eight team. Uh, and it's not, it's not even close. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the second question. <clears throat> yes. The Who will question. be in goal for the Habs? Aha. And I actually found the answer. <laughs> yeah, I know what, Don, I know what Ducharme said, but is he <laughs> actually right? Ducharme said it's going to be Carey Price and it doesn't matter. And everyone should, uh, should just shut up about it. But here's Carey Price's save percentage in the three games. Most recent, 828. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, 870. Pre- first game of the series, 815. 815, in, 870, and 828. The kicker is his numbers in the playoffs, with those being the way they are, are still impre- are still solid. It's solid. It's a 2.02 goals against and a 9.24 save percentage. But it, you're not playing the whole playoffs right now. You're playing for your life. And Carey Price has not been elite in this series. He's not even been average in this series. This is this is true. And you know what? They say matchups make fights and uh, styles make fights. This is not Gary Price's series. The quote I'm looking at here from, and this is from NHL.com, but it's a quote. So, And Ducharme said, yeah, you can talk about one guy or another guy. It's about all of us. We need to be better in front of him. I don't disagree. All 20 guys putting on the jersey are looking for Monday night playing their best game. That's it. I I don't disagree that all 20 guys need to be better, but all of those 20 guys definitely includes the guy in the blue paint. And Carey Price, uh, 
I'm just not I have not been impressed with him this this series. There's no reason to be impressed with him this series. He's looked off balance. He's looked um unrestful. I think unrestful is the word we're going to go with. Okay. Um I think that other terminology like shaken or disturbed are a little too strong, but he hasn't looked like he owns the crease and no one is getting by him with a puck for any reason. Like he did in the first, like he did in the last series. I mean, they've been, they, they've been playing and yes, Carey price is included in this, but they've been playing not up to even the level that they played in the first three rounds. They're making a lot of turnover mistakes in game three specifically there was multiple times where one time where Cole Coppio literally just handed the puck over he left it for whoever the defenseman was on that side of the ice Yeah, and it was just like the defenseman didn't pick it up Cole Caulfield skated away from it it's like hello here's the puck thank you very much but, Bad I line mean, changes. It's just they have not been the same in this series as they have even in the prior three. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, let's look at the shot totals against uh, in the uh, in the last two games against Vegas. In the fi- in the final game against Vegas, they allowed thirty seven, thirty nine shots, of which he stopped thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, they allowed twenty seven shots in the game before that. He stopped 26. The most shots that they've allowed in this series is 29 in the most recent game. It was 23 in game two and 27 in game one. So it's not like Montreal is completely laying down and let Tampa run, run around in their zone. They're not even again. They're not even facing as many shots as a team that is nowhere near as fast as Tampa Bay is. Carey Price has not been good. So rather than having the discussion about whether Jake Allen should start game four or Caden Primo or or, or Caden Primo, I think it, I think it would be Jake Allen. But I mean, the discuss, I guess the discussion should have been had prior to, say, I don't know, game three or game two. Should we give Kerry Price a rest? <laughs> Other goalies have gotten rests in this uh, in this playoffs. I mean, you played a regular season where you effectively played every other night you've been playing at a payout playoff pace since what was it the end of february when the when the season started middle of february when the season started it started mid-january mid-january so you're seven months into a playoff pace that's uh that's noticeable and yeah the other teams do i mean the argument being that, well, Tampa Bay hasn't started anybody except Vasilevsky. Okay. So there's Vas- one team that hasn't started their backup. But, yeah, Carolina did it. Um, I'm pretty sure Florida did it at some point. Yep. Uh, Vegas did it multiple times. Correct. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just it, – this season, you needed – it's just been so squished together that, yeah, 
I would not be surprised. Carey Price is tired, and it's finally starting to catch up to him. And the fact that Tampa Bay is they're putting some pressure on. They may not have a lot of shots, but they're applying a lot of pressure. Oh, I mean, yes, pressure. And when you have a power play like theirs, that's operating at pretty much double the efficiency of most NHL power plays. You don't really need a lot of time or a lot of shots to score a good number of goals. True. Um, so you would start Jake Allen or somebody else other than Carey Price in the next game, even though it's potentially the last one. And you usually want to go down with your number one. I will only say this one last time. <laughs> go ahead. 828, 870, 815. There you go. I figured I'd lob up a softball for you. And it's desperately appreciated. Uh, so also question. There are some UFAs who have been interesting to watch in this series. Um, and I think that for a couple of them, this playoff run has made them very marketable. And at least in my opinion, if they want to continue playing hockey, they should probably be signed in those first three or four days after free agency opens. Um, I think that there's of the eight guys I have shortlisted here. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think all eight of them are valuable on contenders, regard, almost regardless of uh, what the rest of the roster looks like. Um, on the Hab side, there are a couple more of them. Uh, you've got Corey Perry, no longer Scory Perry, but still a hugely effective player. I and and still has the case. Did you see the goal he scored in Game Three? It was a it was a pretty goal. It that, really was a pretty. That goal. is a goal scorer's goal up right next to Vasilevsky's helmet, where he's not going to get it. And that was just a rocket. It, it was beautiful. <laughs> yes, I think that he still has the capability to do that. He just doesn't do it as frequently as he used to. And the thing that most impresses me about Corey Perry in this run. He's had games where he looked like he belonged on a th- on in the bottom six, but yes. he, I don't recall seeing a game where he didn't look like he belonged in the NHL anymore. Has there been people saying he doesn't belong in the NHL anymore? I he, still think at his age. He, I mean, most of the most of the 2003 draft class is well retired, assuming they ever made it into. Uh, assuming they ever made it into the NHL in the first place, um, the 03 draft class, you got a couple, you got a, you got one other got one, at quite least. a few hall of famers in there. Yeah. And you got one actually playing on the same team as Corey Perry. Yeah. You get Shea Weber. Weber back there on the defense. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like the 03 draft is completely done. Some, some selkie candidate down here in Boston. I don't know. The Messier award winner. The yeah. Messier award winner. Yeah. Him. Um, but I mean, Corey Perry is 36 years old now. Um, he will be 37 before your two rounds into next year's playoffs. Um, his go ahead. No, I just I'm looking at his numbers and he's still a half point per game player in the playoffs. He's got 10 points in 20 games this year. 
He, yeah. I mean, he had he did he didn't have a strong offensive campaign, but he had 21 points in 49 games. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> He's been one of the most effective bottom six players we've seen. Uh and I think that he's been a huge part of the team making it to the finals. Um, Eric Stahl, I think, has had more brain farts across the playoffs. Okay. But uh, honestly, I don't think that that's I think that that's just typical of him. Like, I still would take another him 03, on the team. At another 03 draft guy, by the way. Yeah, another one. <laughs> Um, John Merrill should. John Merrill, in my opinion, given the need for defensemen in the league, should be one of those first day signings for someone. He doesn't have to be a first day, let's set the market rate guy, but he he makes a lot of smart plays and not a lot of dumb ones. John Merrill. They got him from. Uh, uh, he was in Detroit last, yeah. Yeah, Detroit. Okay. But and younger played. and and younger than I. I always think John Merrill's John Merrill's another one of those guys that I always think is older than he actually is. I mean, he's twenty nine years old. He played for Vegas, did he not? Yep. He played for Vegas. He played for Michigan. Um, he played Michigan, for the Detroit. Devils. <laughs> no, no, he went to University of Michigan. Oh, that's why I remember him. Yes, okay. Um, so New Jersey Devils, um, Vegas Golden Knights, Detroit Red Wings, Montreal Canadiens, uh, 405 NHL regular season games, uh, and then uh, 29 postseason games, soon to be 30. Um, Not really an offensive guy. I mean, he's a no. defensive defenseman. and But he makes smart passes. He sort of reminds me of a slightly smaller uh, boy Chuck. That type of player. I can see that. I mean, he's 6'3", 195, but yeah. Yes. I can um, see that. Joel, uh, E-O-L Armina, Armia, um, again, bottom six forward. Someone is going to sign him. Uh, if certainly not day one, uh, it'll probably be day two, assuming Montreal lets him get to free agency. And then Denault. I'm wondering if Philip Dano isn't the most desired UFA in this list. Um, I Philip? think Savard probably is, but uh, that's that's a. Uh, oh no, I mean that's for, close. Mont- it, for I mean, the for Habs, probably. I think because from- yeah, he's he's still fairly young. Um, and he's just, he's just looked good. He's solid in the face-off circle. I mean, I, I'd have to pull up his face-off numbers, but my understanding from when, from what I remember, solid in the face-off circle. He plays, he plays all phases as far as I know. I, I know that he plays penalty kill anyway. Um, I, I think he'd be the most desired of this list. I mean, and yes, you've got Corey Perry, you've got Eric Stahl on those on this list, but I think that this guy Philip Deno is probably the most desired. I mean, I've heard mentioned that Chicago should should be kicking themselves for letting this guy get away. Uh, we'll get to what Chicago should <laughs> definitely be kicking themselves over in a few minutes, but um, 
as far I, as the, I don't disagree. I think that this list of five players, uh, if you at, if you if you're a contender or expect to be a contender, whenever free agency opens, these guys have to be on your shopping list. If you can pick up two of these guys, two of these eight guys, I think you definitely improve your team. I think the first guy that I think the first guy Bergevin works with uh, or tries to nail down is Deno. So uh, that that's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the bolts, you got three bolts. Talked, yeah. Uh, on the bolts, we already mentioned uh, Savard, uh, who they picked up in a trade with um, the Blue Jackets. Yep. If they have any complaints with him, uh, I don't know what they're going to be. I don't think there's anything to complain about with him. No, he's a very, very consistent, very solid, uh, like middle pairing defenseman who they're probably not even playing in their middle pair. (laughs) And yeah, he's due for a little bit of a raise considering his contract that's expiring at the end of the playoffs is four and a quarter million per. He's probably going to go closer to six like five yeah and a half, six. i mean absolute minimum i can see is him him taking his five and a quarter and even that i think unless he's someplace like florida where it's tax-free even i think that is uh that's a little light didn't didn't i mean i don't know if i'd consider him he's not he's not one of these 45 point offensive defensemen mm-hmm. i mean but he only had six points this whole season. I, 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 air yes. quotes. I mean, he had six points in, in 54 games. He didn't get a point for Tampa Bay until the playoffs. And, but he's never been a hugely, no, I'm, I'm just saying he's not, if you're expecting him to be the offensive defenseman, he's not, that's not his role. And they have plenty of that down there. I mean, Victor Hedman's still ridiculous. Eric Chernak has showed uh, Eric Chernak has shown us that he has offensive skills. Sergachev yep. has got a blast from the point. I mean, they've got plenty of offensive defensemen down there. They need more Dave. They need more David Savards. <laughs> oh, I I don't disagree in any way. And then the other two guys are. The other two guys are one pretty two. much the definition of perfect bottom six forwards. Uh, you've got Barkley Goodrow. He's got a little bit of attitude. <laughs> um, Goodrow, they brought him in from San Jose last year. Uh, he's got a little bit of skill. Mm-hmm. And he goes out there and he plays his backside off. Oh, he does. Uh, and then there's Blake Coleman. And Blake Coleman was from New Jersey. If you want, if you want a, if you want to do a video montage of puck luck, uh, favor of the hockey guard, hockey gods goals, you could do them with this guy's career. Was it not these two guys that collaborated on the third goal in in the last game? When I believe that right was the goal. The, yes, right at the end of the period, like one and a half seconds or a half second left or whatever it was. Yeah. And then Coleman shot it across to Goudreau or vice versa. Yes. And he's uh, diving Coleman on his, 
Coleman has a life history, a lifelong history of getting uh, really important goals and sometimes also getting goals that basically require the hockey gods to, you know, blow on the puck in the direction you need it. Um, Oh, and by the way, that goal was a result of one of those turnovers or bad line changes we were talking about earlier because they were basically in two on one. Um, but I, I think almost all of these guys are going to be in different cities next year. And I think with Tampa Bay, are going yeah. to be richer. I think with Tampa Bay, you almost have to. I mean, there's no way they can sustain. And we can certainly get into it next week or in the offseason with their, their cap woes. But it, there's no way they can maintain what they've got. And no. They've only got like 19 players that are still under contract for next year or something like that. They need to move someone off the roster who's got who's making three or four million or more just to be able to sign enough players to be able to put, you know, uh, 12, six and two on the ice every night. So how would you like two bottom six forwards that combined for 50 points in the regular season? And yes, please. <laughs> okay, so Bogley Goudreau had 31 points in the regular season, and I mean, was it Goudreau, Blake Coleman? Yeah, Blake Coleman. Excuse me, had 31 points in the regular season, and Goudreau had uh, 20 points. So yeah, 51 points in the regular season. Um, it combined 15 points in the playoffs. Bottom six forwards. Yep. <laughs> combined. Realistically, probably fourth liners on a lot of teams. <laughs> Certainly third liners uh, on no higher than third line on any contender. Uh, as you as you so aptly put it a few seconds ago. Yes, please. Um. Let's see. Did want to take a moment to uh, send condolences to uh, David Pasternak uh, and his his whole family. Um, some of you know, some of you missed it. Um, his infant son passed away this week, and six days old. Six days old. Um, as far as I know, this is his first child, and that just has to be devastating for both, both uh, him, the child's mother, and all of their families. Um, I there's just no there's just no good that comes from stuff like this, and I I really hope that he's able to, or they're all able to uh, support each other enough to get back to. Uh, living their lives uh, at some point. Uh, I I know when I saw this, when it first came out, there was one tweet in particular that got to me, and it was from Evander Kane to Pasternak, and Evander Kane, if there's anybody who understands what David's going through, it's Evander because he and his wife lost a child very shortly after 
giving birth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that that's when it really hit home. It was like, you know, that the NHL community and he got messages from so many other organizations expressing their condolences that the NHL, the NHL community is a tight knit bond. It is a family, an extended family, but a family nonetheless. And it, that's, that made me feel a little bit more proud that I support the NHL because it was nice that they all reached out and we certainly extend our condolences, prayers, thoughts to David and Rebecca. Um, in the further category of unsettling and unpleasant, Brad Aldrich um, probably needs a great deal less oxygen. Um, in fact, almost definitely. Um, for those of you who have not heard, um, you're probably lucky, and I apologize for breaking this uh, streak. Um Brad Aldrich, uh, former video coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, former coach of, uh, I believe it was Miami of Ohio, um, where he set up shop and also a high school team where he had been coaching, mm-hmm. um, accused of sexually assaulting a couple of uh, Blackhawks players uh, back uh, during the 2010 run. Uh, Mark Bergevin was actually of the Mark Bergevin, currently the Montreal Canadiens GM, was the was working for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks that at that point um, he he states that he is unaware. Uh, but one of the players filed a lawsuit recently uh, or back in April against Aldrich um, and against the NHL. Uh, seeking damages, not a huge amount of damages, but certainly what what it might cost for, you know, medical treatment, uh, personal treatment, uh, you know, mental health treatment, medication and things like that um, in regards to this. Uh, but I never heard of this. And certainly in 2010, the Chicago Blackhawks were everywhere. Um, literally everywhere, and you couldn't not hear about what was going on with them unless someone took a hand and making sure that it didn't get talked about. Uh, and that certainly appears what uh, that it certainly appears that that's what happened. Um, apparently, it was an open secret. Uh, they told uh, if you look at the various stories, the interns from the colleges and high schools were told to be very careful of him uh, and not, you know, not to be alone with them. Uh, there's there's a lot that, a lot going on there and I I don't know how people let this stuff happen around them. If you know, if you think something is going on, that's one thing. And no one wants to make that false accusation. But when you know something is going on and you don't do something about it, your hands are just as dirty. Agreed. And uh, I mean, the the fact that Alan Walsh, who's I mean, Alan Walsh is a player agent 
but he is also the lawyer now for the plaintiffs in this ongoing in ongoing uh, case. And some of the things that have been coming out, uh, things uh, they won't uh, they won't agree to certain statements being released to the being released and. and it's just it's all over the place, and then it happened again in two, or it happened again in 2012, and the tweets are coming out. You got one that's reported in 2018, an email the alleged victim wrote. He didn't want to press charges against Aldrich, but wanted something on the record in case he ever does something like this again, particularly to children. I mean, this is a guy who went to in in 2014. He was sentenced to nine months in jail and five years probation after he pleaded guilty to fourth degree criminal sexual assault with a student between 16, uh, a student between 16 and 18. Um, he was registered as a sex offender in the state of Michigan. Um, this was after his time at Houghton High School in Michigan. And at the at Miami University in Ohio, um, had the Blackhawks done the responsible thing, the ethical thing, the adult thing, the compassionate thing, the empathetic thing, those later complaints might not have happened. He would not have been put in a position of trust in a high school. Had these criminal had these criminal charges been filed, this is a vulgar dereliction of duty. Um, yeah, I think I think that's like the starting point is general dereliction of duty. I mean, I'm just I'm thumbing through I'm thumbing through one particular article and. Alan Walsh is talking about how he wants he he wants the the NHL to be transparent um, because they're not making the investigation that they conducted they're not making the results public uh, so everybody knows what's going on he said he's saying that they need to come out and let her let him know what's going on let everyone know what's going on because it doesn't feel like it's an independent investigation. He's worried about the NHL eh, conducting their own, so to speak. It's there needs to be transparency. This needs to be handled, and Brad Aldrich needs to be dealt with. And, and here's the thing: they one of the downsides of tight-knit communities is it really is possible to keep pretty much anything a secret um, from outsiders. Uh, you read the articles. Um, I'm looking at the Bleacher Report article who cites an athletic article uh, and quote. Um, let's see, where is it? Uh, the quote from a player uh, to Lazarus Strang and Powers of the Athletic was, every guy on the team knew about it, every single guy on the team. It, I'm sorry, but there's – the players are less responsible. Many of them were probably the same age as whichever players were were assaulted. 
and but okay, so to how start do you let with, this happen? I'm I sure that they Somebody, were there. Some... I'm sure that they would have prevented. They all made sure none of them were ever alone with him again. But stopping at that level is utterly selfish. So the so they're saying so this is claiming the players knew about it, the organization knew about it. So yep. every so there is no there is no innocent party here at that point except for the victims. Uh, yeah, this is absolutely a this is maddening, like literally maddening. And well, I don't necessarily believe that uh, the players are as guilty as leadership. The players really need to look at themselves in the mirror over this. If every single guy, on, if every single guy on the team knew about it, I mean, the phrase "see something, say something" comes to mind. Uh, if the organization knew about it, they should have dealt with it immediately, or at least informed somebody and had an investigation conducted at the time, not waiting until what is it? 10, a decade later. years later. Yeah. It, but as as you say, it, you know, there's enough room in this blame pie to go around. I mean, players who knew should have said something. Organizations should have said something. Past reports. I mean, do they do background checks? It, should should this have come up in a background check somewhere? It. I mean, this should have come up in a background check for other stuff. For subsequent jobs for Aldrich, and it it didn't because they failed. The organization failed. If the senior coaches and the general manager and the rest of the hierarchy of the team knew, they failed. Period. But this is failure on multiple levels because you're talking. He was in. He was in a high school. And then moved on to a college or a college moved back to high school. However, it worked. But he went from one organization to another and was the same still yeah. capable of conducting the same behavior because nobody has said anything all the way down the line. And I understand for victims, it's very difficult to broach that subject. Never going to blame the victims. Um, so I'm not blaming victims here, but. The if every single if every single guy on the team knew about it on one level, what are the chances that every single guy on or almost every single guy on the team knew about it at other levels? Maybe not necessarily a high school level because no, I, I don't know. I'm still thinking no. This is something that should have been dealt with at some step along the way. He should have been stopped, and the organization at each level didn't do what they needed to do. And then it gets to the Chicago Blackhawks and now it's. And now, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look around for, if you search for articles, uh, where with, uh, Brad, Brad Aldrich's name, uh, for the last couple of weeks, 
um, you'll find one in tit- or with the title uh, or one of the headlines of a paragraph saying that this is who the Chicago Blackhawks have always been. And that really desperately makes me not want to look back into uh, the past and other allegations against members of the staff or the organization in general. Um, because this is just vulgar. Uh, okay, yes, it's the Sam Fells article on Deadspin. This is what the Blackhawks have always been like. Um, Brad Aldrich allegations fester under words McDonough. Um, this is, I, I'm not going to read from the article because it's just going to irritate me more. Um, find him wherever he might be, prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law and make sure that he's on a registry and make sure that he never has the opportunity to get close to other people's children again. Uh, that's it. I, I don't want to say any more what, regardless of what I, don't I think feel. there is any more you can say that, that. Uh, there's yeah. Where else do we want to go with the show? Oh, right. <laughs> we can actually jump back to something. Uh, Chris Johnston tweeted. Um, that's Chris Johnston uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Brisebois uh, on Carey Price. He's got a Hall of Fame career if he retires right now. That was seven days ago. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Julian um, Brisebois, the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. Uh, he was uh, busy pumping tires, apparently. Well. Like, I mean, maybe uh, maybe looking at the numbers, he was pumping them the wrong way. Uh, but Hall of Fame career, if he retires now. Do you, one, do you believe that? And two, does this playoff, does this finals performance damage that? I, uh, um, okay. Carrie Price has had many, many, many strong, impressive, uh, pick a word. Uh, yes. In regular seasons. He has zero Stanley Cups, as you like to point out, and I agree. I don't think he's a hall. Of, I don't think he's hall of fame right now. And I think that. The okay. How many years? How many years do you think he was the best goalie in the league? Not, not Vesna trophies, but how many years do you think he was the best goalie in the league? Two years, five years, 12 three, years, three to five. Year. Um, cause he's been in the league since Oh seven, Oh eight. Yeah. I mean, he's got a career 917 save percentage at this point. 
<sighs> Which, I mean, given how low the save percentage average was going back to 0708 is a pretty solid number. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull up goaltenders uh, <laughs> in his across the time of his career, because honestly, given some of the injury riddled seasons he has had, I I think that this is a borderline case. He's got 707 games played. OK, Um, I still don't think. He's got He's, 90 playoff games where his playoff numbers are not yeah, in the middle of his career. You're looking at playoff numbers of 4.11 goals against, 3.56, 3.26. Yes, he's also had a 1.78 and a 1.86, but... I don't know. 2.78 seems a little high. I mean, that was his okay. first year, but I mean, still, I, I don't know. I, I think he's borderline. I think it, it, it really all depends on okay, here's how the a, voters are feeling that day. Here's here's a question for you then. Okay. Would you put, uh, would you put Pecorine into the Hall of Fame? No. Uh, is Henrik Lundqvist a Hall of Famer? <sighs> no. Um, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, Roberto Luongo or Ryan Miller? Uh, Ryan Miller's done other stuff, though. He did win a silver... I mean, you can make a case for Henrik Lundqvist for having what six, eight, thirty goal, thirty win seasons in a row for okay the Rangers. Uh, I'm doing this blind without numbers in front of me, so okay. Just uh, just raw numbers, which are difficult. But uh, as far as win total for guys who have played at least 550 games since the 0708 season. Carey Price is fourth on the list behind uh, six game or eight games behind Pecorine, um, 32 games behind Henrik Lundqvist and got uh, 75 behind Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury's save percentage. None of them have played as many goal and and regular season games as Lundqvist. I can't imagine. I mean, Lundqvist had one. Lundqvist two, had 764 three. regular season games since the 0708 season. He had four seasons of 70 plus games in a row. Four seasons Ridic- in a row. Yes, simply ridiculous. Um, yeah. And then the fifth season was 68. So, all right, they decided to give him a break. <laughs> maybe uh, the guy needs. A, maybe the guy needs a coffee. <laughs> now, just behind those three, or behind those four. Uh, number five is Jonathan Quick, who's had 666 games played uh, with 336 two, wins. He's got two, he's got Stanley, two Stanley Cups. Cups. But if for the first Stanley Cup, yes, he was utterly bonkers and clearly <laughs> the reason that they won. <laughs> was he not the was he not the winner of the Conn Smythe? Uh, yeah. Conn Smythe that year? Yeah. And okay. he showed up at their celebration. Um Yes. An amazing level of well lubricated. You think? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, he wouldn't do that. Yeah. He, he's from here in New England, is he not? He's from Connecticut. I forget. No, and he is. right behind and went to UMass Lowell. Right behind Quick is Luongo. Then Ryan Miller and another elite Hall of Famer in Tukarask. So the year after the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, the LA Kings win the Stanley Cup. Jonathan Quick played in 20 games. Um, I don't know. I think these might be good numbers. But when it goes against an average of 1.41 and a save percentage of 946. That's reasonable. I mean, I mean he showed that, up. That's pretty good, right? He, he was definitely on the ice. Okay, just, you know, just checking. I mean, his second Stanley Cup actually, not nearly, I mean, that was two years later, 13-14, uh, when he had a 2.58 goals against average and a 9.11 save percentage, and they still won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's here, let's uh, tweak the argument a little tiny bit. In that same span, mm-hmm. goalies who have played at least 550 games, which is a lot, um, over even over 12 years, 14 years at this point, um, keeping in mind that there was a lockout-shortened season, season and then two uh, COVID-affected seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Carey Price is fourth in that time, tied for fourth with uh, Pecorine in save percentage. Okay. Um, and let's see for shutouts. He's sixth. Okay. So Hall of Famer, not Hall of Famer. I did. Because there are there are forwards and defensemen who we're ready to put into the Hall of Fame without a cop. Joe Joe Thornton. Both both Price and Thornton have one heart. Trophies. Are you ready to put Are you ready to put Joe Thornton in the Hall of Fame? I wouldn't argue against it. Okay, that's not a ringing endorsement, but okay. Um, I wouldn't argue against Joe Thornton because he literally dominated his position for years and years, and it wasn't even a question. And even late in his career he has still found ways to be very useful to his team. Um, I, I think that the case for Thornton is very slightly better than the case for price. Yeah. I mean, but it's not going to break my heart either way. If neither of them gets into the hall of fame, it isn't happening as an orange thing. You're comparing a forward to a goaltender, but, at the same point. And is is Joe Thornton not like number one in assists or something? I mean, there was something he was tops at or something. I did. I, when did he? Try, I don't even remember when Joe Thornton started playing. It was like 98. 97, 98. He was drafted the same year as Sergei Samson. I, I think you've said that before. I would never I would never say that. I mean, Sergei Samsonov was clearly the best pick in the draft. It should have been the best pick in the draft. 
Yeah, so he started in 97, 98. Uh, he's, as far as I know, never won anything. Okay, or- so for players who have played since the 19th, since 97, 98, <laughs> um, Joe Thornton is number one in assists. Oh. He's got he's got an MVP. He's got a Hart Trophy. He's got a Ross. He's number one in points. Um, not shockingly, I believe he's also nope. He's actually number two in games played. He's a full hundred and uh, hundred and one or ninety nine behind uh, Patrick Marlowe. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think if I was, if I had to pick between the two, it would, I would probably put Joe Thornton in first. I, I just carry prices is, is, is really strong, fabulous goaltender in the regular season. He just doesn't have, I, I don't know that he has the playoff resume. Although he's played in 90 playoff games, I mean. Okay, here's a fun one for you. Uh, I who think is the of all the players to play in the league since the 07 uh since the 97-98 season among those still active. Um which forward has the highest plus minus? Huh? Of all forwards to play, of all active forwards to play in the league since '97, '98. Uh huh. Who has the highest plus minus? Of all forwards. Yes. Um, Joe Thornton. It is not Joe Thornton. Patrice Bergeron. It is not Patrice Bergeron. He's second <laughs> among active forwards. Is he really? Yes. <laughs> So poor Selkies might not be lying. <laughs> might not be lying, no. Number one forward, huh? Uh, is it somebody who's going to surprise the hell out of me? It I would never guess. But it might. It shouldn't, but it might. Uh, now I'm thinking about two-way centers. Anze Kopitar. Uh, it's actually a left wing. Really? Bert, is yeah. Marshan? It is Brad Marchand. Nice. Number one among active players is, of course, the Dano Chara. Uh, number three among active players is Patrice Bergeron. And number four will probably surprise you more because he's the second. Uh, this is the second defenseman on the list. Um, at plus 200 in 712 games. Um, is a defenseman who we have talked about uh, numerous times. God, please don't let it be Brent Burns. Uh, it is definitely not Brent Burns. Thank goodness. Uh, but this gentleman is even above uh, Jonathan Taze, and that somewhat surprises me. Brent Seabrook? Ryan McDonough. Oh, yes, Ryan. Down in uh, – oh, wait, he's playing for Tampa Bay as well. Yeah. <laughs> Best plus minus of any – defenseman in the league under 40 the only one of the top four not to have played in boston <laughs> oh okay there you go 
I just I'm looking okay I'm looking at Carey Price I'm just not seeing it he's seventh and shutouts active career yeah excuse me I just I'm not seeing it I I think that he I mean goals against 14-15 he was 1.96 goals against in 2014-15 okay that's great um his career goals against is a 2.50. That's, I mean, that's a team stat. I, I yes, it is. I get one. that. I mean, save percentage, 933 and 1415 was his career is, yeah, 917 save percent. I don't, it, I, I don't know. I don't, I think he's very on the, on the border. Or, or borderline or on the fence or, or you know, whatever colloquialism you want to use. Sure. <clears throat> now, we just passed the three-year anniversary of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, July 1st, 2018, uh, was traded from the Buffalo Sabres to the St. Louis Blues for Tage Thompson, Vladimir Sabotka, Patrick Berglund, and a first-round pick in the 2019 draft, uh, Ryan trying, Johnson. I'm going to say you're trying to throw me off because it says three-year anniversary of the Ryan Johansson trade over here. Oh, wow. Ryan O'Reilly, sorry. <laughs> That's why I'm questioning. I'm going, Ryan O'Reilly? you try to throw a kink in the show here. It says Ryan Johansson over here. Three-year anniversary of Ryan Johansson. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I was looking at the Ryan Johnson uh, attached to it who was their first pick in the 2019 draft. Uh Um, And the Sabres are also getting a second-round pick in the upcoming draft in 2021. Um, He was traded like years ago. That was the second time he was traded, yeah. Two years ago or something like that. Who was? Three years ago. Actually, it's four years. It's three years ago now, July 2018. Yeah, okay. Yes. I just was looking at the wrong name. But. Um, are we deciding who's winning this trade? Because I'm pretty sure that it's one-sided at this point. Well, at the time, we said that, that was a lot to pay for Ryan O'Reilly. And I still think that was a lot to pay for Ryan O'Reilly. However, um, he's a Selkie Award winner. Um, oh, wait, was he not the... Uh, was he not the the Con Smythe winner in 2019? Yes, yes, he was. Uh huh. So, St. Louis has won a Stanley Cup since he's got there. Yep. He's won a Selkie. He's also been the MVP of the playoffs. I don't know. I think from St. Louis's standpoint, they won this hands down. <laughs> they probably did. Um, it, I guess it's, it really is going to depend on what Ryan Johnson turns into and what they do with the second round pick. Uh, I looked at Ryan Johnson. He seems like he's going to be a useful defenseman. Um, I have not gotten a chance to see him play. Um, but yeah, the rest of the collection of trade pieces Somewhat underwhelming. Uh, I mean, Tage Thompson is a six foot seven, two hundred nineteen pound right wing, uh, which all by itself should be fascinating. But he's managed to climb into just one hundred and forty five 
career games uh, since being drafted in 2016. Yeah. Um, and has a whopping 35 points in that time. Bottom uh, six forward. You, you can make <laughs> that case. Yes. Just questioning because 145 games and you got 35 points. You're either not playing a lot of minutes a night or you're a bottom six forward. <laughs> He's twenty three. Um, he's only tw- he's he's only twenty three years old. I mean, I'm yeah. Not- so there's still a good amount of time left for him to develop. Uh, Ryan Johnson, the defenseman, uh, in this trade, six feet, one seventy three, playing for University of Minnesota. Uh, his freshman year was unremarkable after a uh, unremarkable season uh, for the Sioux, uh, Sioux Falls Stampede. Um, but last year, uh, 27 games uh, in the Big Ten, 14 points, um, and also played for the World Juniors team where he had four points in seven games, uh, six PIMS and a plus five. Uh, there, there may be something there. Um, he was the 31st pick uh, in the 2019 draft. Um, going to be interesting to see, but at this point, St. Louis has handily won this trade. Um, yes, uh, that would be my impression as well. The, that University of Minnesota team actually has a couple of other NHL prospects that have been drafted. Uh, the goaltender Jack LaFontaine belongs to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Bryce Brodzinski yep. belongs to the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, it, it, he's on a good, he's on a decent. I mean, this is a talented squad. We're not talking about he's had, you know, he's attending, yep. you know. Brock Faber, uh, he's a he's an Kings LA prospect. I mean, there's a lot of talent on here, so it's not like he's attending, you know, nowhere university and and. He's the only star. I mean, he's got some. He's got some talent around him here. So, I think that there might be something there. I, I get the feeling, based on what he what he's done so far, that he's more defensive defenseman than offensive. But oh yeah, and uh, there's uh, their number one scorer last year was a Finnish um, abs prospect. Um, who actually jumped into the playoffs this year. Um, two games, no, nothing to show for it, but um, third-round pick uh, of the Avs in 2018. Um, 31 points in 31 games in, uh, this season for, the, uh, for Minnesota, and then followed it up with uh, seven points in 14 games for, in the AHL for the Colorado Eagles. Oh, there you go. Sampo Ranta. Sampo Ranta. Do they really need another Finnish goal scorer, goal scoring forward? Miko Ranta and not good enough. Miko. Six two and one hundred and ninety. Oh, so he's already a decent size and weight. Oh, look, Samuel Walker, Tampa Bay Lightning prospect. There's lots of. This is looking like a hockey East team. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Blake McLaughlin, Anaheim Ducks prospect. 
I didn't click down the whole list originally. I only clicked on a couple of names that I recognized. <laughs> um, the other night threw up a quick Twitter poll um, just because I was annoyed by the game. Um, <laughs> and we talked about this briefly earlier. Do you think the lopsided nature of the Tampa Bay Lightning versus Montreal Canadiens series is a bad look, even an embarrassment for the league? Uh, 66.7% of the vote said yes. Really? Uh, yes. And, and am I supposed to be surprised by this? Mm, probably not. Um, I think that, as I said, I think that this series has looked more like a round one NBA series where one side is just going to get clobbered. But and it's is it nearly inevitable? Evitable. I guess my question would be: Is it fair to judge how this looks based on the two teams in? Because I mean, you can't deny that 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 Montreal played their butts off to get into the final. I mean, no, you can't. I mean, yes, the shutout probably isn't looking. I mean, the shutout, the 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 sweep or potential sweep isn't looking too solid for the NHL. I mean, you want it to look more competitive than it has, but short of hand picking, which two teams you want in the final, the, the, you kind of have to let it play itself out. And that's, this is what they got. So is, is it a bad look or an embarrassment? I think it, it might be a bad look. I think embarrassment might be a little bit stretching it. Is it a bad look? Sure, because you don't you want your final to be competitive. You want it to go six or seven games. You want it to come down to, you know, last shots and and you know tie you know ties being broken in the last few minutes and and, and whatnot. But I don't know about embarrassment, but definitely a bad look. Just because it's not as competitive as anybody would want. I'm sure that Gary Bettman's sitting in his office somewhere going, oh, why couldn't we get Colorado in there? Now, there would be an interesting series. You got high, high octane offense against high octane offense. It's going to come down to goaltending and who's got the better D. I think that. I think that the lightning would be more positionally sound on their defense. But Colorado's defense can skate around them. Colorado's defense is. Have you seen Kale McCarr? Oh, wait, you. And it's not just (laughs) Kale McCarr. No, Sam Gerrard. Uh. That that whole blue line can move. Oh, yeah. They have uh, uh, Joe Sackick hurt us. (laughs) He definitely hurt us because they have improved that defense. Yes, there was a and time so Abs fans, you're welcome. Yes, you are welcome. We're, we're glad we could help. <laughs> um, let's see. I did put up a new poll for next week. Um, oh. yes, I, I, I already put it up. I'm that I'm that good this week. Um, ask the question, and this will be part of our show next week uh, as we go through some of the draft guides. Um, I asked this question exactly nine years ago. I'll ask it again as part of the prep uh, for this year's entry draft at next week's show. 
which is a stronger league right now, the USHL or the Q, uh, QMJHL. Um, you there's can find no, that there's no on Dean my Twitter McHugh. page. That uh, certainly appears to be true. There's no um, Dean so McHugh. we'll go through some of the rankings. <laughs> Just to just to not just to not try to guide some people's decisions on which one <laughs> on which I, one is right and which one is very 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 wrong. I'm not trying to believe me. I'm just presenting information. What you do with it is your own. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what else uh, do we have for the week? We do have a few more minutes uh, to go. Just because we have a few more minutes. Um, there was the Arvidsson trade. Um, I I did throw that up there because yes, Victor Arvidsson in a in a moment of complete not paying attention because oh wait it's Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah, Victor Arvidsson got traded to the L.A. Kings For and the. One. But two picks. Oh, yeah. They received second-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year for the 28-year-old forward. If you were to put your, get yourself onto Twitter and look and, and find this trade, you would see that Philip Forsberg was very, very not happy about this trade. I mean, the biggest emoji thumbs down I've ever seen. I mean, it was big gif, gif, whatever it is thing. Big photo. Thumbs down. So, Philip Woodsworth certainly wasn't uh, pleased. The question is, should, I mean, should he be all that upset about it? I mean, Arvidsson had 25 points in 50 games this season. But has he ever been a huge goal-scoring machine or points-accumulating machine? No, but he's been a solid contributor two-way, and the two of them have played there together for a pretty uh, for pretty much all of their careers. I mean, I think Forsberg... Didn't Forsberg start in the Washington system? Forsberg, the- Forsberg, start, Forsberg was drafted by Washington by a certain GM named Dave Poyle, and then when Dave Poyle went to Nashville, decided that he wanted to take Philip with him, so he traded with Washington to acquire Philip Forsberg and brought him with him. <laughs> so he's And guess what Philip Forsberg is after next season? Ah, oh, please tell me he's a UFA. He's a UFA. Please tell me he's going to be affordable. Uh, he's making six million a year right now. Um, I don't know what... In other words, no. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to be asking for uh, in the future. It's going to be too much unless you plan on convincing him that he can play on the second line. Uh, <laughs> what else is what else is there? Oh, wait, I'm assuming that Boston's going to be interested. He's, but well, he's theoretically a left- he's a left wing. So theoretically, oh. if the Bruins have Paul and Marshan signed, they don't particularly need him. Yeah, but he's a left wing, so he works. I mean, if you were a right wing, there would certainly be no interest. There is that. Because, you know, they don't need right wings. But, yeah, Arvidsson, 28 years old. He has three years remaining on a seven-year deal. Uh, And this is probably the best part of it is that his average annual value is only four and a quarter million. Four and a quarter million and three years left. Score. 
I think <laughs> I think LA wins this trade. They, At this point, yeah. I mean, they, they gave didn't... up they gave up picks in the second and third round, and only two of them. Mm-hmm. And they still have picks in the second and third round. Oh, the amount of picks they have is for is... those two uh, for those two drafts. So it's not like they did themselves a major disservice, or they're not going to be able to feed the farm system uh, by making this trade. They still got the Blues you, pick, yeah. And I think you could arguably, I think you could make a case for there needing to be, uh, for their this trade being more balanced if there's another third round pick uh, involved. It also, it also protects Victor Arvidsson from the expansion draft. Interesting. If I'm not mistaken, I read that somewhere. I believe that yes, it protect. I believe it protects him from being drafted by Seattle. So he is going to play for LA. But yeah, it's it, hey, I'm. I think it's a, I think it's a good deal for LA. I don't have a problem with it at all. I just and they snuck it in when nobody was paying attention. So yep, uh, between the days between a two, uh, the days between two games in the Stanley Cup final, and it's not about the Stanley Cup final, and it's not even about teams <laughs> that were useful or important to the playoffs. I mean, L.A. wasn't in the playoffs. Uh, I think if you're going to make moves like this, now's the time to do it. Um, sure. I mean, worst come worst worst come to worst, you're shoring up your you're shoring up the bottom six. And can he play on a second line? Yeah, I think he can. Um, does he? Do I think that he's a firm second liner? Like, are there not? 60 better are there 60 better right left wings rather they get so many young kids on that team it's i understand where they're going i understand why they're bringing him in he's he gives them a little bit of stability absolutely any i think we've talked about pretty much everything else and covered everything else absolutely in that case uh ladies and gentlemen hockey fans around the world go enjoy your day uh, we will be back here next week. Uh, I will be diving into the draft reports and probably geeking out uh, more than you want to know oh, uh, yeah. behind the scenes. Both of us. <laughs> Have a great week. Uh, take care.